Hi. Welcome to, uh, it's a two-podcast kind of day. Um, I didn't want to do Michelle, nor Bethany, nor Alex a disservice. So we split up the pods today. So it's a two-episode kind of day. Did you do yesterday's homework and do your best to not say kind of or I feel like? Um, I, I will I will eschew I feel like and say I have been trying to track down Michelle for weeks and really months. Uh, Michelle was one of the people who comfortably made it on to uh, Toledo City Council. And I was trying to track her down during the race, no go. And then she got elected in. I said, "Can we talk?" She said, "Let me get some. Let me get some meetings under my belt." She got sworn in, and now she's a veteran Toledo City Council member. Not veteran, but she's got plenty under her belt to have a great conversation. Um, Michelle might be the most might might have the most decorated resume of anybody. On council at the moment, I could be wrong, but you go read a you go read her about Michelle, and you'll get that same feeling that that I have. Um, a really bright person, um, a good what forty minutes or so here on topics that that we do quite often. It's funny, uh, you get you get gun violence problems sadly in the wake of an absolute tragedy over the weekend. Um, and also in the other podcast, we're just talking about the Olympics in halftime. We can bounce back and forth. So let's get to it. The guest I have chased for quite some time was well worth the wait. Dr. Michelle Grimm, one of the latest Toledo City Council people. It took me way too long to track her down, but I guess I couldn't get her before she actually got onto City Council and into some meetings. But I would like to welcome Dr. Michelle Grimm. Uh, Toledo City Council person and so much more to the podcast. I, I saw you were with Jerry Anderson over the weekend. And if there's one person that you can hit the media before me, it's the Godfather. And I hope uh, you had a good visit with him. Yeah, I always uh, enjoy uh, talking to Jerry. Uh, he's he's a great journalist. And yeah, I was uh, delighted to be on his show. So yeah, thank you for having me, Eric. I really appreciate it. Sorry it's t- taken so no, long, no. but we're here. Did anybody chase you as hard as me? think so okay good i'm i'm very ambitious you're relentless <laughs> i am i am i am um i i mean i like to know what's going on it's so hard to keep up with everything that's going on it, it's there are probably way too many people that don't know about the tragedy that happened over the weekend and not that i need to put that out there on on the radio show or, or whatnot but um i do my best to convey important information about our community to the layperson that doesn't really have time to keep up with it i mean you had a million things going on even before uh, being on city council. It's hard to keep up with with where we live anywhere these days, right? Right, right. Um, I had a I had a list of questions, some basic yeah. ones, some some just getting to know you things. But then I dug in a little bit, and I have more heavy hitting questions. But we'll just start with an easy one: Doctor of what? Law and policy. How did you get involved in that? So um, I received my doctorate in law and policy through Northeastern University. Um, I have a master's degree in public health. And um, when I was um, working uh, at a federally qualified health center, so like a community clinic, I was really getting interested in like policy. 
So I decided to um, go back and like, you know, health policy and things like that. So I decided to go back to um, school and get my doctorate. I, I knew that I wanted to do it at some point. Um, I just didn't really know when. Um, but uh, in 2018, I decided to go back and um, I found this great program through Northeastern University. It was a hybrid program. Uh, go, so I went to Boston once a quarter. I could do it mostly online, and uh, I graduated in June of 2020. Congratulations with that. You have a you. very decorated and long resume. I would even argue to say um, maybe the most on council, which should certainly be an asset with all the background that you have, because again, I can't list it all. So go to Michelle's About Her page, About Michelle page, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. You mentioned um, public health, and I did read that. Are you an epidemiologist as well? Um, so I did my specialty in health education and health promotion. Um, I did do some epidemiology work, uh, with the, uh, Toledo Lucas County Health Department. Uh, briefly, I did, uh, uh, some work with them on, um, H1N1, uh, vaccination. Uh, we did a project to make sure that, uh, uh, vulnerable populations were vaccinated for H1N1. So that was, you know, that was 12 years ago. So yeah. now we're kind of like full circle into this pandemic and still trying to get people vaccinated um, to curb this pandemic. So and, yeah, kind of interesting. Am I, like, I didn't know that about you at all. I know you had a very decorated and robust background, but I wasn't more so on, on, on gun violence in communities. And we'll, we'll get to that as a, as a public health crisis. I didn't know about yeah. the, the epidemiologist part and, and what you just mentioned about H1N1. So uh, am I nuts or did I not hear you talking a whole heck of a lot or you didn't make it a talking point for yourself during the campaign to talk about your health and epidemiology background in relation to COVID? Did, did you leave, just kind of leave that by the wayside? No, um, you know, I was talking a little bit about um COVID and the need for getting vaccinated. Actually, that's one of the first things that I addressed uh, when I was uh, in my first council meeting is that, you know, we, it, during that time, we were, um, we had very high rates of um, Omicron, Omicron coming through. Um, and I was stressing the need during first call. That's when we can um, talk about anything at the end of the meeting. I was stressing the need uh, at first call to to get vaccinated because like this is, you know, one of the ways that you can um, make sure that you um, hopefully don't go to the hospital, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, people who are vaccinated have lower rates of hospitalizations and much lower rates of death and things like that. So um, I was really pressing people to get vaccinated then. And, you know, I was uh, a lot of my campaign was focused on gun violence because I think that that was on people's minds most yeah. of the time. But um, yeah, no, certainly I was I was talking about uh, COVID and um, the need for vaccinations as well. Um, God, I have so many questions that I want to ask you. It's just a menagerie of stuff here. Um, let me go back to something in your educational background, something that just happened in the middle of last year. Can you tell me what is uh, your doctoral research examining extreme risk protection order? Um, what is that all about in, in layman's terms? So um, extreme risk protection orders, you've probably also heard the term red flag laws. Um, so what those are, 
they're um, laws that temporarily remove firearms from those who may cause harm to themselves or others. Oh, okay. This is right up my alley because I don't know how much you know about me, but I'm, and, and I apologize for interjecting. Um, granted, no one is really as vocal as I am and is forthcoming with mental health issues, um, yeah. but no one should ever give me or sell me a gun. Like I would put myself on a list because I wouldn't be a danger to someone else. But on those dark days that I inevitably have, I don't want that gun anywhere near me. And I know that I could do uh, go about it in other ways, but the gun is the way most men do it, as you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, so my research was looking at, um, so I was living in Chicago at the time, um, but uh, I was looking at the, uh, the extreme, extreme risk protection order law in, in Illinois. Um, they call it the Firearms Restraining Order Act. Um the fro for short. Um, so I was looking at that law because it was passed after Parkland. Um, and there, there was, a, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, there was a lot of, um, states that were looking at passing these laws because, uh, of the, because it can prevent mass shootings, but also, um, what my research found is that a lot of people said, Hey, this also prevents suicides and yep. domestic violence uh, incidents and things like that. And then, um, so that's what my research was looking at. It was kind of looking at the passage and implementation, the successes and challenges around that. And yeah, so that's I, what I, that was my dissertation. I've never read a dissertation before, but if you send me yours and tell me where I can find it, I would, <laughs> I would, I would love to read it because like, that's right up my alley. Um, like it's I, a, it's 112 pages. Um, so. I'm a slow reader. <laughs> I do like big words, but I don't, the fiction, the, the fiction that I read usually have, have, uh, people with superpowers, but the okay. nonfiction I read is psychology and exactly stuff like what you're talking about so that I can be more educated and be a better advocate and explain to people and maybe impart a little wisdom and, and logic, which is really hard to come by these days like exactly what you just talked about school shootings are absolutely horrific the chances Mm -hmm. of them happening in comparison to a domestic violence situation or suicide are infinitesimal but suicides particularly don't make headlines um like like school shootings do so um yes i'd like to i or anybody else uh who just found interest in your dissertation i'll pass the link on um I'm guessing you said uh, when we first got chatting, you were interested in policy. So is that what drew you to finally running uh, for Toledo City Council? I know you're not a native here and I know you had a lot going on and talked about Boston and Chicago. And I do have questions to wrap back around with those. But what was the impetus between you finally saying Michelle Grimm is going to run for Toledo City Council? So um, I can I can go on to like, you know, my background, where I'm from, how I got here, how I came back. If you want to do that now. Uh, give me the tweet length version because I saw Ashland and you were a radio DJ. You know what? Let everybody, let <laughs> yeah. everybody go read the bio, but I'm not going to let you off the hook for the radio DJ stuff. I will. I, maybe I'll have you talk up a song before we wrap up. But no, what was the oh, impi- man. what was the direct impetus when you said, you know what? It's time for me to run run for council here in Toledo. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when, so we moved back in the fall of 2020, we bought a home here in the Lincolnshire neighborhood of, of West Toledo. And, um, so I decided to run because, uh, 
like you said, I, uh, I'm from Ashland, Ohio, and uh, I moved up here to go to the University of Toledo. And um, Toledo was the big city for me. And Toledo is where I, you know, got my education. I got my bachelor's and my master's degree here. And I started a career here. And I really wanted to have the young people here in Toledo get the same opportunities that Toledo gave me. And so that's why I decided to run for for city council. Um, Was there one moment where you had the light bulb, where you had the aha that pushed you over the edge and said, I'm running like this specific incident? And I know during the time where you probably considering this, like the world was a hellscape. We were dealing with COVID. Um, Obviously the crime here where we are and maybe with some of your ties to Chicago, another place where it's been a bloody several years. What was the, what was the one moment if you can, if you can draw it back to something? Um, I don't think I had one light bulb moment, but like, you know, I think with my background in public health, you don't see a lot of people like me running for, for office. And I thought that I could kind of give back to the community with my um, expertise in public health, um, especially with uh, COVID and especially with gun violence, because gun violence is a public health epidemic. Yes. Um, And, you know, I, again, I wanted to give back to the city that gave me so much and uh, make sure that the young people here do have those same opportunities. Um, what are your, how, how many council meetings have you been in so far and, and take like the average person inside those things? Because I'm fairly certain the average blade reader, um, like sees city council news and skips right over it. I actually find it somewhat fascinating. Like yesterday I saw that the mental health levy will be supported, but what's your, uh, what have been your first observations about being in those council meetings? So, um, I, uh, that was, uh, my resolution actually. Um, and then I asked um, Councilwoman McPherson to uh, co-sponsor with me. So that was my that was my resolution to support the mental health uh, levy. Uh, so uh, let's see. I've been on council. I got sworn in January third. There's been lots of council meetings because it is budget season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going through the budget, the administration budget, and you know, uh, I know that there's. Uh, talks about those um there's going to be another meeting uh tomorrow um about the budget um so yeah i mean i've been to i've been to quite a few (laughs) um so uh and you know i um you know i'm you know still learning uh so you know and just you know um, but the, you know they've been they've been great. Um, really glad to you know start doing the work and and being in there. Don't take any gruff from Sam Meldon uh, because he, <laughs> he didn't have to go the, through the, through the ringer of the of the last election. He's probably walking around there like uh, like he's some veteran, and I guess in a lot of ways he is. But um, yeah, I, it was nice to see Sam kind of like take a breath of relief while everybody else is running, and he was. He was on there because he ran a couple of years ago at large with Nick and, and didn't make it in that time around. Right, right. Um, what was like? What was your before council? What was your day to day job and your day to day life like? So, um, you know, I uh, public health researcher. So I was, you know, like I said, I, would, I finished my dissertation in in twenty twenty. Um, I. Um, do some contract work with a company uh, that uh, contracts out with for, for uh, teaching assistance for universities. So I do uh, education on the university level and also um, 
did a little something for Toledo Public Schools. Excellent. And I, I still do. Yeah. Um, all right, let's let's swing over to uh, the real heavy topics here, not the COVID things, the gun violence stuff. Um, yeah, I, you probably know what some of the things that we're going to talk about right now, but something actually really, really struck me when I was at your website. Um, you have a "You Will Do Better in Toledo" hashtag, and right below that, do you remember what the hashtag is that you have up there? I don't. It says hashtag It matters where you make it. Mm, um, yeah. I'm probably going a route that you might not think, but if you are, I can feel our energy. You're you're delightful to have on. I'm so glad I chased you down. Um, if anybody has paid any attention, and they might not have, because it's hard to see through all the grim gore and violence. Um, it matters where you make it. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Like, what's the percentage, or, or put some numbers on? Where you're born, your neighborhood means mm-hmm. so much, foreshadowing your entire life. And I know that um, there was something yesterday or recently about Randy Oster's uh, bringing ProMedica to Adrian because it's a rural area. They didn't have a lot mm-hmm. of access to health care. That's a different thing that we're talking about. But if you've got a, like just a couple of numbers differences in your zip code, they could mean literally decades on your life and zeros in what you're able to make. Could you talk about that a little bit? So, um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, unfortunately, like your, your zip code kind of dictates, um, your life expectancy, um, your outcomes. Um, I don't have any like specific, uh, like statistics or examples, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, something that you know we do look at at public health especially with social determinants of health like that's what we're looking at we're looking at like um these zip codes and um how can we how can we make it better how can we you know improve the lives of people in in certain zip codes because um yeah and you know unfortunately that that is the case and um so that's what social determinants of health uh looks at and you know Prometica is doing a lot around that and actually um so i uh chair i now chair the um the health promotion and access committee which is the first committee that is uh dedicated to health and, um, you know, I'm really excited to be working with the health departments and be working with the hospital systems and things like that to really improve the lives of those people in those zip codes, um, because that shouldn't have to be the case. Um, your zip code should not have to dictate, like, whether you're going to live to be 65 or 85, um, or can, can you access healthcare? Can you access healthy food? So, I mean, it's, it's really something that uh, a lot of public health uh, professionals are looking at and, you know, trying to work on. And, you know, I'm really excited, again, I'm really excited to, to chair the health promotion and access committee and really get to work on those, uh, those areas where they, you know, they need, they need help and um, they need to, you know, we need to uplift and make sure that they that they do have the same um, outcomes as people in, you know, richer zip codes. Do you think that what Toledo has outlined for the ARPA money and how we're going to do some of this, and I don't want to say any of them, I want to see where you go with it. Do you think the ideas 
that are being discussed and attempted to be implemented are sound and can lead to the better outcomes and safer neighborhoods? Yeah, I, I do think so. Um, you know, we we have a framework. Uh, so uh, it, it's a framework for the ARPA funds. And uh, they're going to start, you know, allocating specific, for specific programs and things like that. And yeah, I think we're on a really good trajectory um, to really uplift those those neighborhoods that, you know, need that. And um, yeah, I think we're, you know, I think we're on a good on a good trajectory there. I was probably speaking into the wind um, through spring and and summer because it was violent. It was kind yeah. of it was unfortunate and sad. So I, I'm originally from Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is also in in a bad murder situation, death situation, like we've been in, and in Chicago, it's been for for years. And I would you know look at some of the things that Philadelphia had offered, like they took one specific city block and they said we're going to build this up, where they had already done it, um, and, and just literally rebuilt the entire block. And it's amazing how it made crime go away. Mm-hmm. And they offered some other ideas, and then I start, started to see other places that were dealing with this. And um, I liked some of the ideas that we were doing going back to the summertime. Um, the city, I commend the city, and especially for getting with TSA, trying to give kids things to do. Um, we often overlook our city parks, but many of our city parks, like almost every one or many of them, almost every day, we're giving out free food and at activities. Mm-hmm. And it's foundational to keep these kids busy and give them some hope. I've been kind of having a Twitter discussion that, and it's to the mayor and chief's point, like if, if there's going to be a murder in the next three hours, you can't stop it un- unless maybe someone calls something in, but we can stop the murders in three years, right? By providing mm-hmm. hope where there is hopelessness. Yeah, no. Um, so I think last year was, um, there were the most like youth programs over the summer than there, there, than there has been. And I, and I hope that we can carry on that every year. Um, there were a lot of programs for kids, uh, last year and that's really exciting. And, um, yes, it, it gives kids hope. Um, it shows that, you know, Toledo is a great city to live in. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, I really want kids to see that, you know, Toledo has something to offer. And, you know, I want to make sure that uh, they have the same opportunities that Toledo gave me. And um, with these programs, I think that's like a really great start. And again, I hope that we can uh, make sure that we have the same, you know, trajectory over the over the next um decade several decades for anybody that's that's listening to this or or the 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 cynic out there and i don't i don't blame them because when people die in in your community it's it's painful and you don't want to hear about logic or pragmatism i get it so what could you maybe say to people the people that are grieving now uh, with the old west end and that, that that horrible tragedy are there three things that we could do right now that could end some of this. Like I said, like if there's going to be a murder in three hours, it's very unlikely we, we can stop it unless it's just, you know, good fortune or, or a tip. Are there, is there anything that we can do right now um, that can assuage some of this violence? So, I mean, I think what we need to do is we, we need to like focus on um, 
trauma, right? You know, there's, there's a lot of trauma going on. I mean, it, it, what happened in the old West end, it's, it doesn't just affect that family. It affects hundreds of people. It affects who she went to school with. It affects the community. And, you know, we need to make sure that we're addressing that trauma and um, making sure that, you know, again, kids, kids feel safe. And, um, you know, that's what we need to do. Are there two other things? <laughs> um, or is the answer simply just, no, we, we, we can't. It, it's you know, a- I, I, you know I, I think we can do things. You know, it's, it's, you know, it, with gun violence, it's not just, you know, a simple three things, right? Um, there are, you know, there are several things that you need to do. There's like the, the making sure that, you know, we address blight, we address like lighting, we, um, hire more homicide detectives we um you know uh, we have focused uh, effective and accountable policing things like that so i mean it's not just it's not just three things right it's, sure. it's 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 a myriad of things you know and then again also like making sure that youth do have programs and that we do address social determinants of health and we do address you know uh the the disinvestment of the community and things like that. So there's really a lot that, you know, that goes into this. And um, so, you know, we need to, we need to make sure that we address all of that um, to, to reduce gun violence. When, when we're in like historic times, let's hope in our lifetimes, there's not another pandemic. This is, we've had enough pandemics yeah. for one lifetime. Um, I, I'm of the belief when we're in times like these, we can take advantage of them and we can experiment because, uh, whether it's gun violence or or a virus or whatever it might be, we're not living in a time where somebody should uh, just push an, a, a wild idea aside. Like with this position Sam is in now at Tarda, um, like Sam should say should not say no to any idea. So we can make public transportation another social determinant. Um, Tarda needs to, needs to be a better of our community. I was kicking around a wild idea over the summertime when we saw that we were going to get a windfall of money, and it was kind of laughable. But let me run it by you. And I think there were a couple of municipalities that actually dabbled with something like this. I would, (laughs) I need some imagination here. Please, Michelle, we've got a good report. Mm -hmm. Don't laugh at me. I would establish some type of hotline. And I know that um, we all get lost in rages of emotion, good and bad. And emotions are bad for for decision making. I would establish a hotline. And I would say, I need you to put that gun down. Like what happened in the old West end? Mm-hmm. I'll give you a thousand dollars to give me that gun. Now here's the mm-hmm. thing. Here's the thing. You don't just get the money and walk away. We're going to have a chat. We're going to have, we're going to have talk mm-hmm. about how you, how you wound up like this. Cause usually most things go right back to money. It's always, it's some way or how it's always about money. We're going to talk about things. You're going to tell me what you think I could do to help you while you're in this position. I want to help you. Um, now you can tell me that I'm a, a raving maniac to um, <laughs> throw out the idea of a gun hotline. Um, <laughs> you, you can tell me I'm an idiot and how many ways it wouldn't work. And I would just simply go, what we're doing now is not working and we have all this yeah. money. I, and I say it was totally tongue in cheek at the time. But yeah. the more I thought about it and how we went through this gory, violent summer, I'm like, what are you doing about it? Because the community doesn't like to talk um, to the police 
because it's that relationship is more tense than ever. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. would say, get more police in the neighborhoods. Well, if you watch the news, you know that that's not always going to end well anyway. So we're in a tight spot. So that's why I'm like, here's an imaginative idea. <laughs> so um, if you're kind of thinking in the way of like gun buybacks, um, a little bit. So those, those, uh, there's studies that have said that gun buybacks really simply don't work. Um, so, uh, I don't know if that's really the right approach, but, you know, again, like, I think, you know, what we need is, uh, focused, effective and accountable policing. Uh, we need to make sure that we're addressing like all of the, uh, social determinants, determinants of health, um, looking at, uh, ways to, you know, clean up vacant lots, uh, things like that, having more green space. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, again, addressing trauma in the community, um, because I think that, you know, that can get ignored as well. I'll call it a more imaginative gun buyback plan. Cause I, I I'm aware that those things don't really work in a lot of yeah. those things. Like for every 10 you take off the street, there's another hundred that are out there. I'm literally like, listen, I know you're in a bad spot. Call this number. I'm going to give you a thousand bucks right now. We're going to have a chat. So, um, I know. So look, <laughs> uh, and, and another thing, it's just like, you know, the, the legislature down in Columbus is trying to pass permitless concealed carry. Mm. <laughs> and, um, so with that, um, you don't have to have a concealed carry permit anymore. It's just, you can, you can conceal carry, um, in your, in your car, um, and then it's it puts the burden on the police officer, police officer to ask if there is a firearm in the vehicle. So, like you know, it's it's dangerous. It's been it's been opposed by the Ohio Fraternal Order Fraternal Order of Police, um, and so you know things like that. It's just going to make it's just going to make things more dangerous for our community and for our police officers as well. So you know, there's there's things that that Columbus is doing right now to. Uh, kind of roll back uh, firearm safety and, and legislation and things like that. So, you know, that's that's another thing that, um, you know, we kind of have to like watch out for yeah. um, because that's that's going to be that's going to be a dangerous situation. Absolutely. Um, and in some ways it could be provocative and we're already at a fever pitch in society. And I saw a guy who was open carrying and he probably had all the permits in the world. Um with his gun while he was waiting in line in front of me so I could pick up my medication at Kroger. Um, <laughs> it just seemed, it just seemed provocative and I, I get it. Like you want to be the, the, the good guy against the bad guys, but sometimes like there was a, th- we've all seen wild West movies. Um, yeah. Mo- moving on. And this is maybe low hanging fruit or, or just trite. Um, a couple of years ago in Condado opener, I guess it was last year, we heard some fireworks and sirens racing down Monroe Street. There was some uh, road rage. And then, mm-hmm. do you know about the situation? The uh, I think the gentleman was, the gentleman, the guy was just sentenced like to four years a couple of weeks ago for a road rage incident with uh, on McCord and Central Area. Um, so... Everybody is is tense. There's fever pitch yeah. everywhere. Everybody's literally on, on a hair trigger, figuratively, figuratively and literally. When COVID does subside, will some of this also naturally subside? I'm not expecting to go down to pre-COVID violence levels, but some of it will. Some of it just naturally happen. 
You know, I, I don't know if I can really answer that, right? I mean, uh, like this, the violence, the uptick in violence is not unique to Toledo. It's, yeah. it's happening. It's happening nationwide. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, I, I mean, it's just something, I mean, it's something that, you know, I don't know if we can predict. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, again, it's not unique to Toledo and, um, so they're, you know, cities are trying to address the, the gun violence epidemic that's happening across the country and trying to, you know, figure out ways to curb that. But yeah, you know, I, I you know, I don't know. Um, I hope so, but I, I, you know, I just, I just don't know. Um, hold on. I'm going to make a quick note here. So, uh, I'm doing, uh, our Jerry Anderson type program, uh, here yeah. for, for our, for our cluster. <laughs> so what I, I, and it's easy for me cause I can just take all the cool podcast guests, you and get it over there. I just have to make some edit marks for myself. So, um, we're going to keep rolling though. This is all, this will all be in the podcast. Um, and now I've forgotten what I was going to, what I was going to ask you. Oh, um, and thanks for, be, for for digging in with some of these answers that I just spit out on Twitter and people were like, I just want the violence to stop. Um, yeah. Can you explain why in cities, and we've already mentioned some of them, and uh, I don't know how much time you spent in Chicago, but that has long been a, a very dangerous city. Um, why is why is this primarily happening in cities? Is it just simply we all live close to one another? Um. You know, it's it, gun violence just doesn't happen in cities, right? You know, we when we think of gun violence, we think of homicides. Um, and then what you mentioned before at the at the top of your show is that suicides do not get the the media and the airplay um, as much as homicides. So actually, suicides count for about sixty percent of all gun violence incidents, like you know, of all deaths. Um, so, I mean, it just doesn't happen in cities. It does, you know, gun violence does happen in, you know, all areas of the country. So, I mean, homicides do happen mostly in cities, but it's just like gun violence happens everywhere. So it's not just a city issue. It's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a problem everywhere. Hmm. I'm think I'm thinking whether I want to parse that apart a bit and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I do, cause I completely agree when, uh, when I'm out at schools talking with my, my friend with the Lucas County suicide prevention coalition, uh, we show them the numbers and, and we always ask the kids, do you think there were more suicides or murders in the last year? And they're always like, Oh, there were absolutely more murders. And mm-hmm. no, you're, you're wrong. Yeah. Cause you just hear about it and it's theatrical. Um, you don't hear about the suicide about an Eric chase who wasn't able to access or was, afraid to access care and put a gun to their head. Um, there are, there are 10 times the amount of that than, than murders each day. Um, to the person, and maybe they're going about it in a partisan aspect. I'm sure you've seen the same things I have that, that liberal cities are complete lawlessness. Um, yeah. and in a way yeah. it, it is cause they are certainly more violent. My, my dad, uh, still lives in Philadelphia and it, it, it was very weird for him, for, for him, for me to hear that he had bought a gun because the neighborhood had changed a lot. And there is mm-hmm. a lot of crime and violence in the cities. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. not, again, going against what you said with suicide. And, and this happens in rural areas, too. Yep. But why is there so much of it in, in cities? And, and again, I'll go back to the question. Is it just because we all live closer to one another and we're more likely to get on one another's nerves in the middle of a pandemic and then boom? So, yeah, I, I don't have, like, any um, 
statistics or anything around like why, you know, homicide rates are higher in cities or anything like that. You know, I'm not, that's not really, you know, something, you know, like I, 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 I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's okay. like, you know, experts that, that kind of like understand most of that. But like, again, it's like, it's not just, it's not, it's not just a, a problem in the city. It's a sure. problem. It's a problem everywhere. And, you know, uh, gun violence is kind of a uniquely American problem. Mm. And, and, you know, it's, that's, you know, something that we've, you know, dealt with for a long, long time. And um, so that's, you know, it's, it's, it's an issue. It's an issue everywhere. Yeah. And, and I know that I, I'm sorry for, for word vomiting all over you, you, no, with, you're you good. with that, because you're right with the, the problem that it's, it's ours and we own it too well, like some other really ugly marks in, in our history. Um, and there's, I just keep coming across a lot of people for a variety of reasons saying, well, I don't care if it happens everywhere. I'm only worried about it here. I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. And a lot of people have said that in the last couple of days. Yeah, um, absolutely. God, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to touch on that is important to you? If not, we're going to move on to the fun questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to the fun questions. All right, let's move on to the fun questions. Um, and th- these could be deemed as quite controversial as well. Um, I need to know your favorite Metro Park. Ooh, Metro Park. <laughs> yeah. Um... So I live very close to Wildwood, so I'm going to go with Wildwood. Okay. Um, what what specific things, I know you said you, uh, you got your back. I can't keep track of all the degrees that you have from different places. My God. Um, what about here, other than it being close to home, drew you to staying here in Toledo? Because you had some options. You've, you've seen, like myself, you've been other places, and, and not a lot of people here get the opportunity to do that, and you can come bring that perspective back here. So as opposed to being in Boston after just spending some time there in Chicago or even back home. What kept you here in Toledo? What about it do you, do you enjoy so much? So, I, you know, I, I think the community, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a small, big city, right? Yeah. You know, yes. there's a, there's a lot to do. Um, you know, it's, uh, there, there really is, there's a lot to do. I mean, we have like a great Metro park, park system. We have the zoo, we have the symphony, we have the opera. I mean, there's, there's really a lot of like cultural amenities that, that Toledo affords. And, you know, again, like Toledo, um, Toledo is where, you know, I got my education, where I spent my career and, you know, Toledo, Toledo, Toledo is home. So, yeah. Couple more fun questions, but to go backwards a little bit, uh, I had written it down, but we we were we were in it, we were rolling. Are, is there anything? And I know you probably haven't spent a ton of time, I guess, in Boston, but when you visited other places, is there anything that you've seen done there that we could or are in the process of doing here? Because it's totally okay to steal good ideas. So um, I think we're working on this, but like when I lived in Chicago, um, a lot of people really do utilize their city parks. And um, I think that's something that we can do better here. Um, you know, we've, you know, we, we have a great metro park system. Um, I think there's a metro park now within five miles of everyone. But like, we do have a lot of great um, city parks. And I think, you yeah. know, using the city parks um, for, you know, people uh, making sure that those are, you know, mode and uh, usable. Um, and we're doing a really great job doing that. Um, so, you know, just making sure that we, you know, we keep up with our city parks and that people do use the city parks. And, you know, I think, you know, that's a, that's a, a great thing that Chicago did was, you know, a lot of people use their city parks and, um, 
you know, I think we can uh, hopefully um, encourage people to use more city parks. I fell in love with that idea that I told you about earlier. Like the city parks were a hub of so much over the summertime. Um, and it opened my eyes because I, it's easy to overlook them. It doesn't have the flashiness of the wildwood or the side cut. They're, they, they're these little quaint spots. And I was actually in your neighborhood, like back behind uh, the Monroe shopping court or somewhere. And I forget the name of the city park. Super small. I think there was a tennis Yeah, school. yeah. Uh, I don't remember what the name was, but I, I'm really close with TSA. And I saw our... Our, our finest jazz performer, Ramona Collins, with some TSA kids doing jazz on a Thursday night out there during the, the beginning of last summer. And it was so incredible. And I, I, I was angry at myself for not knowing that we had these gems tucked into neighborhoods. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite pizza place? Ooh. Um, what's my favorite place? Kelvino's. Oh, okay. All right. I've never yeah. had, but I know people speak very high, highly. Oh, yeah. Calvinos. Are, are you a coffee person? Yes. Where's your coffee spot? Uh, sip. sip. Okay. All right. Surprised yeah. I haven't seen you. Eh, you wouldn't see me. I wouldn't see you. My head's buried. Uh, would you uh, <laughs> Would you like to do coffee sometime? Have you Have you enjoyed this? I'm so glad that we could finally connect. I know you've been- Yeah, um, yeah we should do that. Yes. I, I'm like hustling on you. Like, listen, you got to come to this little podcast that the, the Q105 guy runs and you're like, I have to get on council first. Stop hassling me. So, <laughs> but this is this has been great. I'm. Um, it would have been great to get you know go know you a little bit more over text or whatever, but I'm, I'm really thankful that we could catch up and spend some time. Um, I'm sure maybe Dan told you, but uh, I'm an advocate. I, I really like all of the people who um, are leadership parts of our city. I've even struck a little bit of relationship up with um, some of the people that didn't quite make it in the council race, uh, Alfonso yeah. over, over on the east side. And it, it seemed like that there's, there's good people. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's always kind of easier in a city where we all kind of align, at least socially. Everybody just wants the best for Toledo and the people that live here. Um, yeah, absolutely. Whether those people live, whether they're black or white, gay or straight, live in the old West End, which is such a melting pot, or in West Toledo where you are, or South Toledo, everybody just wants the best for people that live here in Toledo because, they're, as we know, there's so much pride for this place. Yeah, absolutely. Calvinos, I'll put it on. You just like uh, Cricket West, don't you? Is that your hub? Is that your home base? I mean, you know, it's very close to where I live. So <laughs> I don't know where the Lincolnshire neighborhood is. I've never heard of it. Costco. Costco. Okay. Right by Costco. Oh, yep. so you're like a suburb of Ottawa Hills. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm no Jerry Anderson, but this was awesome, and I, I'm greatly appreciative. And it should go without saying, but you, uh, I have your back, and please let me know what I can do for you to help you to make your life easier, um, to connect you with anybody. I'm, I'm at your call. All right. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Okay. Be well. All right. You too. Bye.